it is more important now than ever for families to instill the values they want into their children and equip them to make better choices in life. Timeless Truths will inspire you to do just that. Thank you to my friend Daryl Rolark, the recording artist, composer, and producer of this music called Beautiful Soul. Good day, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Timeless Truths with me, Dr. Christine Van Horn, as your host. I have a special guest with me today. His name is Dennis Mellon. He is a speaker, leadership consultant, best-selling author, and internationally recognized authority on leadership. A retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel and 28-year airline fleet captain in charge of 550 pilots, Dennis's years of experience bring education, inspiration, and entertainment to a variety of audiences through his positive leadership training. You may have caught him on ABC, NBC's Morning Blend Show, CBS, podcasts, and radio. He recently spoke on stage at the United States Air Force Academy with four-time Olympian luge competitor Ruben Gonzalez and in Grand Rapids at the Leading Voice Summit. Please welcome Dennis Mellon. Thank you for, being for the uh, introduction. Yeah, appreciate it. Yes, I'm looking so, forward to a good conversation. So <laughs> that is so good, and and you are the author of a book that we will talk through today as well. And your book is called "Takes More Than Heart," and I I have read this book. It is very good. It is inspirational, and I hope we cover some of the things in the book today. <laughs> well, that's good feedback. I appreciate it. Thank you. What inspired you to write? about your personal trial in this book, because you went through something pretty traumatic. And at some point, there had to have been something specific where you realized that you wanted to write this story and be able to use it as inspiration to others. Well, it was kind of cathartic. It took a while for me to even contemplate it. My wife had been telling me, you should you should write something about, about your experience. Um, that happened back in 2008, and I didn't start writing till probably right at the beginning of COVID when I had the time and couldn't, couldn't uh, do in-person speaking engagements and things. So I sat down and uh, started writing various things, especially the origin story in there of my uh, heart attack and subsequent loss of my medical certificate where I could no longer fly for Alaska Airlines. And um, as I, as I was doing it, I reached a point where I was kind of stuck. I said, oh, well, I've got about 60 pages worth. That's not going to really make a uh, a good story or a good book. And I went back to, I thought, where do, where do I where do I get inspiration from? I went back to, I, I do a lot of journaling. And I went back to my journal and I started looking at it and I go, oh, that'll fit here and that'll fit there and this will fit there. And all of a sudden I've got 160, 200 pages needed to be edited. As I was doing this, I'm not going to lie to you, it was uh, very personal, and there were times where I just had to stop writing because I choked up thinking about it, because all I'd ever wanted to do since I was about 10 years old was be a professional pilot. Now at age 56, I'm sitting back like an 18-year-old graduating from uh, high school. What do I do now? I had the experience that a high schooler didn't, 
But as a 56-year-old, who's going to hire a 56-year-old when they know they're only going to stick around for maybe five or 10 years, you know? So it was a cathartic experience sitting down and writing it. So I, it really helped me put it in place in my mind. And it was traumatic because, you know, you were in the Air Force as a pilot and then you're a commercial airline yeah. pilot. And then, you know, as you explained in the book, so suddenly it was just over. And that is. Yeah, I can picture it now. One day, uh, uh, the day before the heart attack, I, I was up flying probably somewhere over Eugene, Oregon, looking down at the at the city down there going, I wonder what those people are doing down there. And then I had to laugh because I, I, I was sitting there thinking, they're probably sitting there going, I wonder what those guys are doing up there. <laughs> and then the very next day, can never fly again, at least not as a pilot. But uh, uh, it was it was like a guillotine. October 14th, 2008. The 12th was actually my last flight, I guess. So, yeah, so. Oh, and you know, as you write about this in the book, I can see that there's many people that will be inspired by you because you managed to pick up those pieces and and move on with your life. But it it was a process. So, you know, I encourage anybody to please pick up Dennis's book, Takes More Than Heart, because if you've ever found yourself in a situation like that where all of a sudden you can't do what your, your life's dream is, you need to find something else. Well, I think everybody has experienced uh, a point in their life where uh, something dramatic happens and and you just go into this funk, this dark cloud descends down upon you and you just can't think. You just, you're you're just existing. I, I can remember it didn't happen immediately, but the recovery process mentally took uh, some weeks and months, a little bit of help from some friends. And I, I have to admit some counseling to uh, start contemplating what Dennis Mellon 2.0 was going to look like. Cause I had a singleness of purpose since age 10 to be a professional pilot. And here, uh, what is it? 46 years later, it's over within a day. It wasn't even like contemplating, Oh, I think I'll retire next year or something like that. It was just, like I said, a guillotine. That's the end right there. So it took a little while to recover from it. I'm not going to lie to anybody. Yeah, it really did. And you talk about that process in your book and said it's an emotional journey where you had to go through reliving and recounting personal trials for your reader. And you kind of mentioned that already, that it was something that was difficult to go through. How did you manage those challenges of revisiting those difficult experiences? Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I had to rely on my wife quite a bit. Uh, She, uh, very consoling about it. I wouldn't call her a cheerleader by any means because she's held me accountable. She, you know, it was a couple of times of, uh, you need to get off your, you know what, and, uh, find something that, uh, that is purposeful for you. It relying on your friends, relying on, um, on your spouse, on your significant other to, uh, set things straight in your head and to start looking forward. I think I allude to it in, one of the acronyms I use is WIN, W-I-N, for what's important now or what's important next, however you want to look at it. Because I've been coaching baseball forever with the high schoolers and young boys and trying to get them to realize that whatever has happened is already in the scorebook. Nobody goes back and says, oh, no, we're going to erase this and change those statistics. 
your report card's right there. What you do from this point forward is what counts. And taking care of this moment is what counts. So that's uh, the philosophy that started developing with me. And I have to uh, give credit to my wife for that. She uh, She's a trooper helping me out, that's for sure. <laughs> And and that's good. It's so important when you ha- can have a spouse or relative that can help you do that. I liked how you talked about when several times uh, in the book. Can you share how the act of writing and sharing your story impacted your own healing and personal growth? I alluded to it a while back uh, in the interview. There was a point where, like I said, I got had enough for about 60 pages and as I started putting more details in, there were times where I literally would have to stop writing because uh, it brought me to tears because it was that important to me. It was uh, part and parcel of me being a professional pilot. That's one of those things that I like to tell people. You have to find your passion. You have to feel like I get to go to work instead of I have to go to work. And so going through that process and finding the writing process and finding uh Well, like I said, it was cathartic. It started getting me thinking outside of the doom and gloom. The I I compartmentalized it. There was something that I left up on the on the shelf. My wife always got tried to get me to talk about it, and I said, "You know, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't." And as I wrote, all those feelings that I'd suppressed had kept up on the shelf started coming out. So that's that's how the uh, experience was, and that's why I try to tell people. You need to journal. You need to write thoughts. And then sometimes just go back and refer to them and go, hey, I've I've moved forward on this. This can be improved. That that needs some work. That's not a failure. That was just a big a big lesson to move forward. So that's what I encourage people to do. And I'm kind of all over the place with the with the question, but the process of writing was I I, I have to tell you it was it was very cathartic for me. That's good. And I'm really big on journaling too. So I talk about that quite a bit. And I think it's very important to, you know, the ideas that you have don't, they're not fleeting. You have them, you can go back to them. And, and then like you did with writing a book, you can go back to those things, but it's, I think it's important for everybody to write things that are important to them and and journal that. Now your book has a theme of perseverance and resilience. Can you explain how you applied that and some practical tips for the listeners, how they can use that? Well, resilience and uh, persistence are keys to make and uh, to achieving your goals. I work with a lot of uh, teens and young adults with especially athletes. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things of, um, well, if if you're going to start in an exercise program, maybe you jump in and today you do one push-up and you go, well, I haven't lost any weight. I haven't gained any muscle. Well, one push-up's not going to do it. And I can't do your push-ups for you. But over a period of time, you know, if you keep doing push-ups, you're going to get stronger at some point. But it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a week. I guess a similar way of thinking about it is the dentist telling you, hey, you need to work on your teeth. You got cavities or you have a cavity here and everything. Well, I I brushed my teeth last week. Well, that's not going to do it. Well, I brushed it three days in a row. That's still not going to do it. It's going to take a length of time. So that building that persistence, taking care of the next step towards your goal 
it, it all goes back to being in the moment and taking care of this moment. You have that goal in mind in your head. Uh, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to I'm going to be a pilot. I'm going to be a podcaster. It didn't happen overnight. You had to take steps towards it, but you had that goal in mind and you took care of this moment and then the next moment and then the next moment. And eventually you're going to get there, but it's not going to happen all at once. So uh, perseverance and persistence are, are keys to achieving your goals, really. Any goal. And you mentioned, you know, about documenting all these things besides keeping a journal and the things that you just talked about with being persistent and, and things. Is there anything else that you could share with our listeners? If there's something that they're thinking of, like, gee, you know, I could really write this as, as a story. You're a perfect example of someone who lived through some really trying times and then turned it into something helpful in the form of a book to help others. Well, I think sitting down in front of a blank page, uh, actually, I guess, in front of a computer now, I'm showing my age, I guess, sitting in front of the computer and having a blank page in front of you that you need to fill in, just put your thoughts down. And putting those thoughts down, you know, later on, you might go back and go, no, that's not really how I feel. And it might alter it. But the fact that you're starting to uh, put your thoughts together, Writing them down becomes um, it's better than a fleeting thought because our our thoughts, especially as we go older, we start losing losing memories. You know, there's I I don't remember what I did back in August of uh, my uh, ninth grade year or whatever. You know, but if I've uh, journaled, if I've written it down, um, then that memory gets jogged in our head, and and then I, I guess all the neurons come to be- together and. And uh, you you remember the the place, you remember the all five senses of where you were at the time and what you did. Those are the things that jog your memory on it. And I'm not sure I answered the question. I got yeah, a little. No, I think I think you did, and it's it's the writing it down and letting the 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 memory of it out. Right. When I started writing books, I have six published books. I didn't know I was going to publish a book. Yeah. I just took the things that I had journaled and went to my computer. I wrote the words on a blank document. And every time I would journal, I would transfer it to the yeah. computer file. Yeah. And pretty soon I realized, wait a minute, there's a pattern here. These yeah. fit together. This explains this. And then pretty soon it grew, you know, and I let my inspiration come out and just like you did, because what you have is very inspiring. It is something that people can do. It's just a right down those things from their journals. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's important. Uh, it it, it uh, helps your mind. It helps you archive your thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you when you go back to that archive and you look at it and go, you know, I don't feel like that anymore. This is how I feel. You you update it, or you go, uh, oh, that was just a random thought, and uh, I no longer do that. Or that's rock solid. I, I've kept that premise, that feeling. And I still have it or what, you know, it's, it's important to, to be able to look back at your lessons, to, to, to uh, be in the moment now and mm-hmm. uh, recover from anything that happened bad or, or uh, continue doing the good things that you've been doing. It's just reminders. It is. And the things that you've taken in the book, you have been able to apply. Now you have leadership coaching that you have gone on to do. And it's called Full Throttle Leadership. 
And as you have gone forward that, you've taken these things that happened to you and you've ta- you've learned through them and you've learned how to apply them, including topics like uh, team culture and positive leadership. Can you explain what those are and how you apply all of this in your full throttle leadership? Well, I do it through, actually, in one of the speaking engagements that I have, I talk about every every company, every person, every business has, has a report card. Uh, whether it's a financial statement, whether it's a key set of metrics, maybe it's sales figures or something like that. But in a lot of companies, they have what they call uh, key performance indicators, a KPI. And uh, uh, what I emphasize in, in my leadership uh, symposiums and workshops and one-on-one coaching is you have to have an ultimate KPI. And what I describe that as is you create a uh, culture, and I I take some uh, – poetic license, using a K to spell culture, but it, taking that, building that culture where people feel a part of it, where people feel like I get to go to work instead of I have to go to work. Building a culture where it's not top down. Everybody knows their roles. Everybody uh, fits into their, to their, uh, to the purpose of, of the team, the company, the business. And the next thing is uh, building positive leadership. Not the Pollyanna, oh, everything's positive and everything. I'm still going to hold you accountable for things. But positive leadership that inspires a, a we over me mentality within your, uh, within your team. And the last one is uh, uh, the I, which is building those interrelationships, not only between the leader and his, and his or her team, but between team members, between other teams, and between the company. And possibly going out to your uh, clients. So if you use that as your ultimate KPI, it drives drives your entire performance. And I like to think of it as it ignites elite performance. When people build a culture, have positive leadership, and have the inner relationships, it only naturally uh, follows that you're going to have good performance out of them. So principles in the book that I talk about, perseverance, uh, persistence, those type of things, are all part of building a, a good culture. Because culture isn't just one thing in a company. It's everything. If you don't have a good culture, everybody's relying on the on the quote-unquote leader, which may or may not be a good leader, but relying on the leader to take in all the input. Everybody's waiting for that person to give directions. to uh, And you lose out on the innovation your managers stop talking to it's it, your micromanaging is basically what you're doing. Um, so it's important as a, uh, as a, as a leader to have that inspiration within the team, the we, we over me, the ultimate goal in mind that this is what we're working in. And this is how my personal goals fit in with the team's goals or the company's goals. And if, it, if there's an incompatibility there, then then maybe it's time to part ways, you know. That is true. And you've got a long background, especially with being over 550 pilots, to to see how that leadership integrates so well with team culture. Well, and That's an interesting, interesting point. 500 pilots, 600 pilots, whatever uh, it was at the time, pilots have strong e- uh, egos. It was interesting that probably every single one of those pilots thought they knew how to run place better than me, but 
I'm the one. So I'm the one that had to be out there in the forefront, guiding and making the decisions and, and, uh, encouraging them to buy into the, to the overall goal. Other than things that you've already mentioned about how leadership ties into culture, are there any leadership characteristics or quality traits that you think are important that can guide leaders to feed into this process? I think the two key ones are probably integrity and uh, transparency. And, And people People will flock to a leader that has integrity and has uh, transparency, despite the fact that that leader may be holding them accountable for some some things. You lead by example. If you don't have integrity, you don't, and you're holding back. Granted, there are things that need to be kept confidential, but the transparency of what's going on. And I look back at my uh, the company I, I work for, Alaska Airlines. They're they're struggling right now. We just uh, Alaska just had the airplane where they had the plug that blew out the, mm-hmm. the uh, that caused the depressurization and everything, which probably is not their fault, but nonetheless it happened and it's got them in a and, and it's got them in a point where um, maybe people aren't trusting uh, flying with Alaska. And so, how do you recover from that? That's an event that happened that nobody could uh, foresee probably. If you do nothing, there's still going to be an outcome. So as a company, as a leader, as as a uh, teammate, what you do to alter, change, or affect that outcome is key. Because if you don't do anything, it's still an outcome. And what will fill in there is negativity. Uh, and that's why leaders need to have the integrity and, and be out front with the transparency. Here's here's a problem that we have. We need to fix it. What do you guys think? Here's what I think. That looks sounds like a good idea. Pursue this one. Keeping them connected to the to the company. It, it, it it's important. Yeah, it, it's sad. I I always like to fly Alaska Airlines, yeah. and it's they they do things so well in that airlines. And now to have this as a something they're yep. trying to recover from it's there's a lesson here for other companies because there's going to be other things that happen to other companies and i imagine there's going to be many eyes on alaska airlines how are you going to handle this and yeah. it, it, and that meaning is being critical but what can they learn from it and so i think how they handle it's going to be very important well i think so far they're handling it very well i've been in contact with a, uh, a few people there it's still, it, it it's an event. It's a challenge that comes to, you know, business. We, we always talk about the volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and all that. It, it's that roiling, boiling pot of water. There's nothing you can do about that. It's going to roil and boil. There's going to be events, challenges coming up all the time. But as leaders, I like to say, you know, you be that be like a coffee bean. And jump right into that boiling pot of water and start influencing it. And I, if I can start changing some of the other people into coffee beans, now we're roiling and boiling together. And maybe instead of just roiling, boiling water, we've got gourmet coffee. We've, we've, we haven't altered the roiling and boiling, but we've created an environment. You know, if you want to carry the analogy, we are, we're creating something that smells good and tastes good at elite performance. So I, I I always talk about leaders as being coffee beans getting jumping into that water. 
That's good. That is yeah. a great analogy. Yeah. Now, you have been a great leader in with all these pilots that you were over. What kind of challenges did you face and what kind of courage do you think it takes to be an authentic leader? Well, there's always that feeling that imposter syndrome that creeps in. The fact that I had I think what what helps with leadership is a lot of times leaders are chosen because they have subject matter expertise or they've been here for 10, 15, 20 years in seniority. And, you know, the difference between the skills to be a subject matter expert and to be a leader, they're two different skill sets. And so developing those skills through it, it may be through experience, but being exposed to mentors, being exposed to workshops, being reading uh, helps that. So I think I had a pretty good basis for being put into a leadership position, but I also needed to learn. You never stop learning as a leader. You should never stop because I, 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 what I say is what's working today leading uh, won't work tomorrow. And it doesn't take but one small error on your part and you can literally destroy the trust, destroy the culture. So I think my takeaway on, on all of it is, is never stop learning. Understand that leadership is a separate skill set and make sure that you're maintaining your integrity, maintaining your transparency to keep the commitment from the people, to keep the caring between the people. That's the key. It's easy to learn software. It's easy to learn a skill over a period of time. But to be able to build those relationships between people, to build those relationships where we have that commitment and caring between each other, that is the essential part of, uh, of leadership. Think of, uh, of inspiring leaders. The, the, the Steve, Steve Jobs that, you know, you'd walk into a, a auditorium and everybody's clapping madly and, and screaming and yelling, you know, rah-rah stuff. Uh, as opposed to, um, I don't even remember the guy's name, but look at look at what happened to Enron. Their culture mm-hmm. st- started uh, uh, changing, and now they're the butt of every joke uh, on trustworthiness and uh, reputation. I mean, they literally drove the company into the ground because of their, the culture that they developed. So that's that's what uh, that's the difference between that's the extremes of leadership right there. I think. Now you've really explained, I think, pretty well the the important things for leaders. But if there's anybody who's listening who is wanting to be a leader, or they're in a position at work where they see themselves growing into a leadership position, do you have any advice to get them on that process? Well, in addition to going through all the learning process, the professional development, the reading and, and mentorship stuff, just watch the leaders that you're working with. And if nothing else, every time a decision, every time something comes up, look at the, uh, uh, learn from it. If nothing else, it might be, well, I saw Dennis do this. I will never do that uh, ever. Uh, this was a bad decision on his part. And the way he came up through it, I will never do. There's a lesson in every 
from every leader that we come in contact with and imitate and find, definitely find a mentor. It's, they will, uh, finding a mentor will steer you in a good mentor that you respect. They will steer you in the right direction on things. Could you expand? Um, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I. Could you expand a little on mentorship? You talk about it in, in the book, and it was one of the things that kind of jumped out at me and I wanted to ask you about. Well, I, you know, I, I think we all find somebody that we admire. I mean, there, it may be a superhero. It may be, be somebody that we just admire for, for uh, because they're, they, they're likable. They're inspiring. Find and then to find somebody that is willing to um, mentor you, get, uh, agreeing with you know, getting them to agree to mentor you will greatly help. I, I think finding a coach, call up Dennis Mellon, I'll coach you. You know, yes. <laughs> um, now I I may not have all the answers, but uh, but together we'll, we can sit down and explore the gaps in your leadership. And see how we can fill in those gaps. And if we're just starting out, see what it looks like working together. And if we're compatible, we can improve your leadership or we can get you to learn your lead. There's, we have new emerging and established uh, leaders. Uh, and as long as they have that growth mindset, you know, there's, there's help. I, I can't think of any. CEO right now that probably doesn't, they probably all have hired some sort of mentor or coach to help them through, just to bounce ideas off. I haven't gotten all the experiences that Christine Van Horn has, and you don't have all the experience that Dennis Mellon has, but when something comes up that's bothering you, be able to pick up the phone and, hey, hey Dennis, this and this happened. Oh, I had this happen back then, and here's how I handle it. Here's how you can handle it better. Or Hey, let me look at it a little bit, and then we can hold a discussion on how to do it. The only time when it's really critical is when the when you have those those uh, decisions that need to made uh, that are time constrained that need to be made right now. And the best thing for that is is to have exercises that test those things and have set plans, set plays. It's like it's like a pilot with an engine fire. First thing that everybody uh, says when you fly the airplane, the business needs to continue on. The next thing is take care of the uh, major items, shutting the engine down so there's no more fuel coming to it. In business, it'd be whatever, whatever it is to stabilize the situation. And then start analyzing what you're going to do uh, in an airplane or where we're going to divert in a company, what direction we're going to take now that this has happened. Those are good so, words of wisdom. Can you tell uh, the the listeners about Full Throttle Leadership and what you offer? Well, uh, Full Throttle Leadership is uh, uh, my company. Uh, I well, company. It's me. I do uh, coaching. I particularly like doing uh, workshops and um, symposiums to help leaders build the culture that gets them to, to, that ignites that elite performance that uh, every leader should be looking for. Um, I do that with the coaching most of the time. 
But on the other side of the coin with full throttle leadership, I like to go out and talk to uh, uh, various groups, whether they're rotaries and chambers or to uh, uh, company lunch and learns, and just talk about a fa- one or two facets of uh, leadership that can be improved immediately. If, if, if I'm only in for a half hour to an hour, uh, given somebody being able to answer what's in it for me, uh, what behavior, what thing can I change to make myself a better leader? So I, I like to do that and have the discussion. So full throttle leadership is basically uh, workshops and coaching, uh, helping leaders become better leaders. And you also coach sports. That was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've got four sons. I've uh, coached them forever. The, I, the youngest is 28, so it's been a while since I coached them. But about 11 years ago, I started coaching uh, high school baseball at the local high school. And at first, uh, you know, I, I jumped in. I was doing the, the mental performance side. But as I started working with them and learning and watching, I, uh, I started being able to contribute in some of the other areas. Now, I didn't have the, the um, pedigree that some of the other coaches did. You know, I played Division One college baseball, and I did this and this and that. But what I found was that uh, there was a niche for me to help and a fresh perspective to help not only that, but I, I think with the coaching staff too. But I, uh, you know, I, uh, the, the head coach that brought me on uh, kind of gambled and I didn't have the experience that some of these guys, other guys did. And I'm grateful for him for having, uh, having done that. But I, 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 I really enjoy that, that mental performance side, getting them to, to, to realize what's important now. I, 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 I I use a lot of the, the, the transference between business and, and sports is amazing. The, the, we, we still talk about in business, uh, hitting it out of park or, uh, you know, you know, that's strike three. We're done with that or uh, any number of those things. Or That's good. And see, now you have gained all that experience. So now you are an experienced baseball coach. So that's well, good. I, I like to think so, but there's still a lot to learn. Yeah, <laughs> we all have that. Yeah. Is, is there anything that we didn't cover today that you would like to say in closing? No, I, I, you know, if somebody wants to reach out to me for a speaking opportunity, I'd certainly enjoy that. If they're looking for the book, uh, both books that I have out are available on, on Amazon. You know, I uh, if if somebody was looking for a coach, call me up and we'll. Uh, We'll sit down and talk, see see what working together might look like. I can't say that we're going to all be completely compatible, but sitting down and talking, see uh, what working together would look like is I, I'm completely open to that. So, can you please explain how they can get hold of you? Yeah, sure. If you, uh, I'm on social media under Full Throttle Leader Leadership. You can email me at Dennis at FullThrottleLeadership.com. Or, or go to my website, fullthrottleleadership.com. Both of those are uh, fairly easy to, to get to. And by by doing that, uh, well, you know, there'll, there'll be contacts. There's there's ways of uh, exchanging information or connecting on uh, social media. Sounds good. I will put those also in the show notes so you'll be able okay. to find those there. And you mentioned your other book, and I didn't talk about that with you. Could you mention what your other book is? 
Well, it's an anthology. Uh, there were 24 of us that got together, and each of us wrote a chapter. It's called Voices of Truth. Well, actually, the full title is Engaging Speakers, Voices of Truth. And it's also available on uh, on Amazon. There, are, uh, The other 23 people have some really good chapters and a lot of good things to say. Um, some of the things that are in mine might be in my book also. So, but it's, it's, uh, well, uh, it's a, it's a good read. It's a, it's a bestseller on Amazon. So. Um, That's good. Yeah. I have enjoyed having you as a guest today, Dennis. This was really good. And I hope people reach out to you from the, the contacts that, that yeah. we have here for you, because you offer a lot of hope and a lot of direction, and you've got a lot of inspiration for people. So everybody who's listening, I want to really encourage you to reach out to Dennis Mellon, and uh, you will not be disappointed. Go ahead, Dennis. Yeah, Dr. Christine, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's not often that I get to jump on a podcast uh, where the conversation is as engaging as it was today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, I thank you very much for joining me. And I thank all of you listeners to listening to Timeless Truths, and I will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Timeless Truths podcast with me, Dr. Christine Van Horn. I hope that you have been inspired and have found this discussion helpful in guiding your family. Please check out my website at drchris.co for additional resources or contact me at chris at drchris.co. See you next week.